Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Another week, another TFS podcast. By way of intro, because we probably wouldn't give this a whole lot of time within the around the world, but a little couple double shout out to Ryan's alma mater, Hope College. First of all, we talked about it a little bit um, last week in the open about how you know Hope had a great win over Trine and then was getting ready to play rival Calvin. Uh, went on the road and got the big dub, double digits. Um, Eli and Noah, a couple of just nasty dunks for D3. Always fun to see the orange and blue beat the maroon and gold. So credit there to Coach Mitch and the boys for a big rivalry win. And then be remiss if we didn't include the Hope women. First of all, they've won 60-6-0 games in a row. By fault of COVID, they've not had a chance to win a national championship in that run. So let's hope they get that shot this year. Um, I think it's the fourth longest Division Three women's streak in history, which if you think about it, that's pretty crazy alone. But the thing that I want to throw out there is last night in their game, I believe it was against Olivet College, 31 steals, forced 47 turnovers, and had 64 points off of that. That is just unreal. And, you know, Ryan and I kind of joke a little bit about it. It's really hope and then kind of trying for the women and then nobody else is even close. But still, that's impressive. I mean, they put up close to 100 spot every night. They turn teams over in droves like this all the time. But 31 steals, that's remarkable. Shout out in this week's TFS intro to the Hope College Flying Dutch and Dutch Men. All right, plenty of good stuff to get to this week. Let's not wait any longer. Ryan, give us your thoughts at the lectern. The podium is yours. Yeah, um, you know, this is kind of a spur of the moment for me. Um, and I'm going to go off something that you told me I should I should um, do my my podium on when we were in the car coming back from East Lansing on on Saturday, and that's Michigan State. Um, you know, 14 and three, I believe, is the record. Um, what four four or five and one in the Big Ten? You look at the record, you're like, oh, there's nothing wrong. That's that's pretty good. There are a lot of glaring issues here that I I feel like kind of came out against Northwestern. Like Izzo said, they were living on borrowed time. Um, had played horribly ever since Christmas, close win against High Point, kind of down a few guys, had to come back and beat Northwestern the first time, hardly beat Nebraska, then Michigan Duck, Michigan State, um, then hardly beat Minnesota, had to beat them at the buzzer last week, and then lay an egg against Northwestern, uh, down a couple guys. Unacceptable by Michigan State. I mean, you know, Michigan State always has this midseason, you know, 
identity crisis, it seems, every single year. Um, but this one, just it just seems like it was a long time coming. It seems like there's a lot of issues here. Turnovers, obviously, a huge problem. It's been a huge problem for years, and this year especially. Um, A.J. Hogard, I, I cannot stand the guy. Awful. Just awful. Stupidest turnovers, pointing his fingers at people, fighting with coaches on the bench, fighting with his teammates. Dude, stop. Get a haircut. Stop. You suck. You're horrible. You are horrible. You just know that Tyson Walker's better than you, and next year Trey Holloman's going to come in and take your time, so you're going to leave. You're pissed. I get it, but not. it's not cool. Michigan State, there's a lack of toughness that was there early in the season um, and, and fight. There is none of that. Rebounding the ball, getting out-rebounded by Northwestern, that's unacceptable. Northwestern's horrible. That is, I watched that game with my own eyes there. They're horrible. And Michigan State looked worse which is really, really bad and not good with the hard schedule coming up. Next three, at Wisconsin, at Illinois, home against Michigan. They very well could lose all three of those. That's not good. And then February hits, and they're playing more road games in the Big Ten against better teams. I don't like it. I don't like where they're going. They better turn around this week and find out what's going on because it's not going to get any easier, and it's scaring me. It really is. I, I This Friday is going to be telling. If they either they either come out with their pants on fire, hair on fire, or they're going to lay an egg and get smoked, and it could be a, a fight to get in the tournament once again. There's no fight. And this is not going to be my podium, but I will just say this. Some people already know this, but... I will take credit for putting a little bit of a voodoo hex on Michigan State. That's right. My alma mater, never root for them to lose. Never happy when they lose, ever. Wasn't rooting for them to lose by any stretch on Saturday. But I wasn't as, I was probably the least unhappy I've ever been with a loss. And here's why. They screwed me from getting into the game because they wouldn't take the COVID test that I had showed with their dumbass rules to begin with. So Michigan State... Your lack of communications led me to drive down there and not being able to get in the game. You got what you deserve. More for the reasons Ryan said, but also because of the hex. That's not my podium. My podium, you guys all know and love. It's either stuff about COVID and semi-political things. I'm not going to quite go there. I just kind of did a little bit with my retort to Ryan. My other favorite thing to do is to blast on our buddies down the road, little sister, University of Michigan. Even Michigan fans can argue with me this time that this is justified. I could just as equally tee, tee this guy up. Hunter Dickinson, who is a walking, moving screen, who's 7-1 but still plays college basketball because he's not good enough to go to the NBA. Chicken shit chickened out last week when Michigan came back th- miraculously to play Illinois after their quote-unquote COVID stoppage. Who did Michigan play? They played Illinois. Who does Illinois have? Kofi Coburn, who is a freaking mountain of a man. I don't even know how tall he is. Seven-something, 270-something. He's a house. He's large. He's huge. And Hunter Dickinson was available. Available to play off of COVID protocol, but didn't feel well-conditioned enough. I say, BS, Hunter. You put your team in a spot where they had to guard arguably the biggest big guy in the country and maybe the strongest big guy in the country without their big guy. What player puts himself and his NBA supposed draft stock ahead of his team? Not a guy that I'd want on my team. And the thing is, is Michigan actually played well in that game. We watched it. Michigan was undermanned. They scratched, they clawed. Now, Illinois is kind of a walking 
little bit more talented version of Michigan State, if you will. They turn the ball over a little bit. They lose interest sometimes. They don't get on the floor all the time. But still, you had a chance to go on the road and shut up your critics like us who called you out for ducking Michigan State and Purdue and go and beat Illinois. And you needed your big guy to do that. You did because it was a close game for for about 36 minutes and then you ran out of gas. And that's because you didn't have Dickinson's fouls to give. You didn't have Dickinson's size to, to bang inside to make Coburn more tired, to make him make more mistakes. That was a selfish freaking move by a team whose biggest number one problem that I've seen when I watch them this year is selfishness and lack of team. So my podium is, if you ever have a, I don't care if it's Dickinson in Michigan, I don't care if it's somebody from Michigan State, Indiana, anybody in college basketball or any college sport, if you've got a player that puts himself ahead of the team, because in this case, I'm going to argue very vehemently that he just didn't want to be embarrassed, I don't want that guy on my team, period. If a Michigan State guy did that to Michigan State, I would personally call Tom Izzo and tell him to ride his ass out of town. Disgusting, deplorable, but not to be unexpected for a Michigan guy. All right, let's go to our tee-up of the week. And this one's pretty clear if you've paid any attention to anything in the last couple of days. We are going to tee up, and I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you who, Ryan. I'll tell you why. We are going to tee up one Dak Prescott. Ryan, tell us why. Yeah, Cowboys um, just boneheaded from top to bottom in that game against the, the Niners on Sunday. But Dak... Um, he in his post game press conference, uh, he said something about fans throwing stuff on the field. He's like, oh, he thought they were throwing at them. He's like, no, they're throwing at the refs. He's like, oh, good. I'm glad they did. Then they deserved it. And then today he came out and apologized. Said, oh, I was wrong. It was uncalled did. for. Dude, I get that it's in the moment, but you can't say that justifying throwing stuff at at officials. That's unacceptable. You're the face of a you franchise. You guys lost because you you guys are undisciplined and you were stupid. Not because of the refs. Your undisciplined game ruined you, not the officials. Exactly. Bad calls both ways. Bad calls both ways, no neck deck. Tee up deck. You should be you should be better than that. You should know better than that. You're the star face of a storied NFL franchise and you just set yourself back a while in people's eyes. Alright, let's go around the world. We'll start in spot number one as we typically do. Let's Talk Big Ten and a little bit of college hoops. Ryan and I were just watching the end of the Kansas-Oklahoma game. Poor Moser's got Oklahoma playing way above their weight this year. I think now they're 12-6 and six after a tough loss. Um, you know, But that was pretty impressive to, to kind of see how he's gone there from Loyola and, and what was expected to be maybe a couple-year turnaround, and he's, he's made them competitive in year one. So we'll get a little bit more into hoops overall. Lots of upsets um, last week, too. I think Baylor lost back-to-back. Yep. Um, you know, lots of things happening, but I'm going to start. I've got a couple questions, Ryan, that I'll throw your way to, to kind of start us. And then we can throw in any other just general thoughts too. I know you covered a lot of Michigan state. I echo a lot of that. Um, first, give us just a little bit of rundown of like, what's what since the last time we talked, what did, you know, what's standing out to you in the big 10, who's standing out to you in the big 10, uh, or even in, in college hoops at large. Yeah. I mean, it, in the big 10, I think Purdue, I mean, yesterday, a huge game with Illinois, standalone noon game, double overtime, really good. Um, you know, I think Purdue, they showed that they have have what it takes. I mean, obviously, we've talked about them all year, but, I mean, they, they're a super good team. 
Um, you know, I think once they're they're clicking, they're probably one of the hardest teams to beat. It's just a matter of actually doing that. Um, you know, I think Illinois was impressive in that game. You know, after kind of a, a, a mediocre performance against performance against Michigan, really, um, and they came out and showed a lot of fight against a, a really good Purdue team. You know, Indiana is playing pretty well right now. Um, you know, Northwestern obviously with the big win against Michigan State definitely needed that. Um, a team that is is just embarrassing to me is Maryland. Um, we had tabbed them as one of the top five, six teams in the Big Ten at the start of the season. They're horrible. That team has no fight. I mean, I get that their coach left. Yeah, we had them tied for third still, at 15 they don't, and they five. don't even look like they care. And that's a team with a pretty good amount of talent, to be honest with you. A team that I actually am impressed with is Iowa. They were picked yeah. to be probably middle of the pack to toward we the bottom of the Big Ten. We had them 5 and 15. They are playing great. They're 13 and 4 11. overall. Um, playing well, Keegan Murray's been great. Um, you know, I, they're, they're, they could make the tournament. They're in a lot of bracketology as like a seven, eight seed right now. Good for them. They're playing well. Minnesota, another impressive team. Penn State, well. Penn State is is really battling. I, I've been impressed with them um, in in Shrewsbury and what they've done here early on. Rutgers playing pretty well. Um, you know, I think. I mean, there's no pushover in the Big Ten, but I think I'd say that for sure the two worst teams are Maryland and Nebraska. Um, so far, and then everyone else, the the other twelve, I think, are, are basically it, it could be a walk on the. I mean, uh, just flip a coin, really, with it when you're playing, because um, you know Penn State took Ohio State um, down to the wire twice um, in the last couple weeks. You know, Minnesota has been tough against Michigan State, and Michigan on the road. Um, you know, and, and Illinois is always good. Purdue's really good. Indiana's getting better. Um, so it's tough. I mean, it is a tough league. Um, and I'm, I'm, I am impressed by it. Baylor slipped up twice last week. A team I actually am impressed with. They lost Saturday, um, kind of a letdown game after the two big wins. But that's Texas Tech. Um, Coach Adams, first year, took over for Coach Beard. Um, thought, no, nah, they'd be okay. Beat Kansas uh, two Saturdays ago and then beat Baylor last week. Um, you know, I mean, they're a tough team. They, they play really hard. They're not great offensively by any stretch of the imagination, but that is a tough team. You know what you're going to get. They play defense. They're going to be they're going to be a tough out. I mean, that's going to be a, probably a four or five seed that is going to be really really hard to beat in come March. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch too. Like you know, if you like to follow Joe Lenardi, I mean, already is probably like delivering a new bracket every day and Basically. first four out, last four, and all that crazy stuff. I, I, that's going to change so much. I feel like in the next six weeks. I mean, that's not uncommon, right? That that things change, but. I mean, there is so much parity in college basketball right now. Just when you think, like, okay, maybe Gonzaga, maybe Duke's going to kind of rise up. Maybe Baylor. Baylor was off to a great start. They were the first defending champ since, I think, like 2010 Duke to start this, the following season, 15-0, and 0, and then they laid two eggs in a row. I mean, that, again, is the beauty of college basketball is you just, you just don't know, right? Like, game in and game out. I mean, you have a team like Oregon, I think, who's Oregon's gotten two top really five well, yeah. wins recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. UCLA had a lot of downtime because of COVID stuff, and they're starting to kind of come back a little bit. I mean, March could be as wide open and as crazy as ever. Um, would be a good time for Warren Buffett to do his $1 billion bracket because there's no way anybody's going to nail it this year. I guarantee you that. Um, in fact, I, I'd like to ask you, Ryan, after I comment on this, I think this is the most wide open at this point of the season, mid-January, that I can remember it ever in terms of, like, there's legit probably – 15 to 20 teams that can stake a claim to 
having a, a pretty decent shot at a national title. I mean, and you've yeah. got a much shorter lifetime, but where, yeah, am never, I off on that? I've never seen it like this. I mean, there's no clear-cut elite teams. You know, we thought Gonzaga would be an elite team, and they're very good. But Dr. Purdue would be an elite beatable. team, very thought, good, but they're, they're beatable. All, they're, every team's beatable. Yeah. There's no Baylor like last year. There's no Gonzaga like last year who went undefeated until the last game of the season. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's crazy. There's a lot of teams that can do it. There's a lot of movement that's going to happen. Obviously, there's teams that aren't in right now that are probably going to make it, and there's teams that are in right now that are probably not going to make it. I mean, it's it's crazy. That's why we play the games. Um, yeah, looking. I feel like we're going to have a, a team that goes on a run like UCLA did last year, but they're going to win the whole thing this year. Somebody that's maybe not quite, you know, maybe not like one of the last four in type of thing, but maybe somebody that's you know in the 15 to 20 ranking, you know, spot right about now that just kind of slowly lurks there, going to lose a few more games. They're not going to jump out at you when the, you know, brackets come out as, oh yeah, this is my circled favorite. Every year you can look, put your favorite team aside, and there's one, maybe two that you're like, every time you go through your first gut feel for the bracket, you're like, you're coming up with the same winner, right? Like, I'll be really super interested. Maybe we'll be wrong come six weeks from now, but um, this is going to be a crazy uh, next couple, two and a half months of college basketball season, and we are here for it. So before we switch gears, let's go back a little bit to Big Ten. I mean, I, I echo a lot of what Ryan said about Michigan State. Um, you know, whether Izzo's right that they got fat and sassy, whether they just kind of, you know, lost their way with their defense because their defense has been pretty shoddy lately. I mean, Northwestern had like seven plus 17 on the offensive glass. That's hustle. I've been watching it unfold for the last few weeks. They're getting beaten to loose balls. They turn the ball over a lot. Um, the, the game like that's kind of win, and they got away with it against Minnesota. But it's a it's a game where you kind of miss an alpha. Gabe didn't do much in the second half. You know, Christie tried, but had an off shooting day. They actually got a really great look, I thought, to um, Malik for the for the three that would have put them ahead. Um, at the end, late in the game, off their second timeout. The first timeout was an absolute train wreck. Um, Big Julius had to like put the ball on the floor and get to a jump ball situation because it broke down so much. Um, speaking of which, the love affair that Izzo has with guys who suck. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, Joe. Anybody who knows, we've talked a little bit about it, but I get it. You want Joey Hauser to be great. He's great in practice. Well, so was Russell Bird. And Russell Bird was an absolute nightmare when he was on the floor. Some guys just can't cut it when the lights go on. And for whatever reason, in the Big Ten, for the most part, Joey Hauser is outmatched. And that's a team. Northwestern's a type of makeup of a team that he should be able to go toe-to-toe with. You know, their most athletic player, Nance, was not in there. And he got bullied in the post. And I I get it. Marble was tired. He was playing more minutes. But damn it, Izzo. Damn it, Stevens, whoever's doing the subs. Give him a two-minute blow and tell him to get his ass back out there. He was perfect from the field. He was playing at least some bit of post defense, not like Joey and his Ole Matador defense. I mean, that you, you can blame a lot on the players and turnovers and hustle and stuff. The bottom line, Izzo lost that game for Michigan State, and you don't really say that that often. And maybe you kind of wonder if he's the wizard behind the curtains and he was trying to kind of do – I'm not saying he wanted to lose on purpose, but he kind of wanted to kind of send a message, and we'll see – well, we'll see. Like Ryan said, the next three games are going to be huge. I think Michigan bounced back pretty good and smoked Maryland today, although Maryland's not very good. You know, will they kind of rise up a little bit? Will their freshmen start to play better? I don't know. 
Um, but beyond that, Ryan, just real quick, who is your team of the week for the Big Ten last week, would you say? Um, team of the week, um, I don't know, that's tough. Um, I'll just say, I'll say Rutgers. Um, they're playing really well. Ron Harper Jr. is going off. Yeah, I mean, you could say Rutgers are there. I'm going to go Purdue because I think they're starting to finally get things going a little bit right. Um, they certainly have, uh, you know, guys between like Ivy and Edie and Williams, and I mean they've they've got Stefanovic who can shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got they've got the guys. They just need to find that take the fight tuitiveness, and I think uh, I still think that they're going to end up taking the Big Ten probably by a couple games. Yep. All right, let's move on to spot number two, NFL playoff time. Ryan, um, I believe you got me last week. I think you went 6-0 and in yep. picks, right? Because our only difference in picking was uh, I picked the Cowboys, Cowgirls, and you picked the 49ers. Yep. Um, what stood out to you or who stood out to you this weekend as rising up as a major contender? The Bengals, they uh, impressed me. I think Joe Burrow, um, they're sleeping on him. He's, he's, he's so good. Him and Jamar Chase, that is a dynamic duo. Um, you know, I think they got what it takes. And Joe Mixon's a good running yeah, back, too. I mean, they're really good. The Bills' eye-popping blowout victory. Josh Allen was an absolute animal, um, knocking out the Pats. Um, I mean, the Eagles, I mean, the Buccaneers did what they were supposed to, blew out the Eagles. I mean, no surprise, Tom Brady's moving on in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's act, Fun fact, he's actually older than every coach, aside from his own, um, that's still left in the NFC. That's so crazy. That's kind of crazy. That is crazy. Um, not impressed with the Cowboys. Very impressed with the 49ers in their fight. I think that's a team that, I mean, obviously they were on the outside looking in um, before the before week 18. Down big at the half um, against the Rams. And come in back, and, I mean, they're going to the divisional round to play the Packers, and uh, they have a fair chance of winning, I think. Uh, they're a tough team, play great defense, pound the ball on the ground. Um, Jimmy G does enough to, to get it done for him. I think and Debo Samuel is an Debo Samuel's a Swiss Army knife. Um, monster Chiefs. Uh, I mean, what what more can I say? I mean, blowing them out. Mahomes four hundred plus yards, five touchdowns. Kelsey even threw a touchdown. Um, a team that I was just not impressed with. We talked about it. I mean, probably week twelve, thirteen about the Cardinals being a paper tiger. Right, they lost You're the right. Lions. That was your they, sign. They lost a lot of uh, games down the stretch that they should not have. They got worse as the season went on, and then. Obviously got blown out last night by the Rams. Um, Stafford finally gets a, a playoff win. Congrats to him. Um, but, yeah, super, super excited about the Fun, fun fact there win. before you keep going. Stafford, I, by a long shot, had the record for most completions, game, most games played, most complete, I don't know, if something before a playoff win. Maybe it was games played before a playoff win. I mean, it was pretty – by a wide margin, which is crazy. You know, a couple years ago they were talking about Cousins and that, but Stafford looked good. The Rams' running game looked really good. Um, you can't get out of that weekend without saying what in the hell was Dak thinking, not after the game, but with running the ball. If you're going to do that and you know the clock's not going to stop, you better slide with about eight seconds to go. And here's a thought. You're on the 40. Why don't you take two? You probably could even get maybe three shots um, downfield or at the end zone with 14 seconds to go. I have zero idea what they were thinking. You know, you kind of want to put that on the coaches a little bit, but that's on Dak Prescott. Like, time and place, dude, you you don't know what's going on. You don't know you don't have a timeout. You don't forget that you're not in college anymore when the clock stops. And you know what? You can blame the refs all you want for getting away with spotting the ball. The rules are pretty simple. The ref has got to touch the ball and spot the ball. Just because your center got there first and, and ran into the umpire doesn't mean that the umpire was in the wrong. You were. 
uh, that was just, I mean, and you were lucky to be in that game to begin with. San Francisco had a few head-scratching mistakes down the end. But, yeah, I, I, I think the 49ers um, showed some fight for sure. Tampa Bay, you can't count them out because they've got Brady. You know, they looked really good. Eagles looked over a match, although I think that they'll probably be okay. Um, you know, Steelers scored first in the Chiefs game. You're like, oh, okay. And then, <laughs> then the game was over after that. So not a real surprise. I was super impressed with the Bills. Josh Allen is a, is a stud. A monster. Um, and we'll have a related question a little bit later, probably in the sprint with regard to that. But, what you know, with the games that are coming up next, Ryan, what's the one out of the four divisional games that you're most excited to see? I think probably Bills, Chiefs. I think, I mean, I think they had a good game earlier in the season. I mean, they're all intriguing to me, though. I mean, I think the Rams and Bucks had a good one earlier. The 49ers and Packers had a good one. The Bengals and Titans, they're all, they've all played each other, which mm-hmm. is the great thing. Um, so they're kind of familiar, um, all great teams. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited. Are we going to do picks for this? You yeah, let's do, do pick. let's do some picks. Um, all right, Bengals, Titans, taking the Tigers, baby. Bengals. Beating the number one seed. Just because I still have ground to make up. I, I would not be surprised by that at all. I kind of wouldn't be surprised if the sleeper Bengals got to the Super Bowl. Um, but I'm going to go with the Titans in this game. Uh, the Pack, the Cheese versus the, the 49ers. I think this is going to be a close game. Um, both really good teams. But I think the Packers, the home field advantage helps them get the win here. I think it's going to be close. Probably last second field goal again. Jimmy um, G's a little beat up, right? I mean, it, you know. Defense travels, and the Niners have got a really good defense. Um, although, was it uh, Warner went down? It looked like a knee, although they were saying ankle, and he was ready to come back in the game. I don't know. I think the 49ers are probably a little bit dinged up. They've had to scrap and claw their way the last two weeks. I think that the Packers uh, win this one probably by at least a touchdown. Uh, Rams, Bucks, another great one. I cannot go against Tom Brady in a playoff game at home, um, Bucks. Yeah, I mean, look, Rams have a really good offense, especially when Stafford's got it going. Their defense is, is also obviously pretty good with between Donald and Von Miller and um, what's her what's his face? Their great, no, their great corner. Oh, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, Jalen. I mean, so they they've got it every, every level. They handled the Bucks pretty good, but that was at SoFi. <sighs> Boy, you know, I kind of want to go Rams because early in the season I really thought that this might be a year and, and in a way to kind of show the Lions what they gave up. Now the Lions are building for the future, but I got to agree with you, Ryan. I can't. You can't pick against Tom Brady, Michigan guy or not. I got to go Bucks. Bills, Chiefs. Uh, I think this is going to be an old-fashioned Texas show. They had a great game last year in the AFC Championship yeah, game, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic again fireworks points i think the chiefs win on a last second field goal and send mahomes to a third no maybe fourth fourth straight afc championship i'm gonna go bills um i said it also earlier in the year that i thought nobody was playing this was super early but nobody was playing as well as the bills on both sides of the ball josh allen you know he's such a threat with his legs um let alone his arm you know they've got some sneaky good players I, I just I feel like the Bills are going to get this done. A little bit of an upset there. All right, those are the four. All right, and before we move on to the next one, I just have to give a shout-out. Grand Rapids native Annie Agar. If you don't know who she is, do yourself a, f- a favor and at least go look for her on TikTok. Annie Agar, A-G-A-R. She's actually from Rockford. Did some sports stuff for Channel 8 here in, in Grand Rapids for a while. She, I think she's with Bally Sports in Chicago now. 
She just has some hysterical stuff, especially NFL related. And her kind of conference call is what she does, her shtick. Her conference call after the first week of the playoffs is one you're going to want to watch multiple times. Um, I took a break, watched it while I was working today, and laughed out loud probably four or five times. So do yourself a favor. Shout out to Annie. All right, spot number three, our new favorite. Um, that was our mainstay in the summer, and it's going to be our mainstay going forward. We're going to have to cook up lots of ways to think about this one. Kudos to Ryan for coming up with this. I'll let him pick first. Mount Rushmore of the best dunkers in NBA history. Yeah, this is a this is a fun one here. Uh, I'm gonna go with a guy that I mean, I think when he did his his famous dunk contest, I think it was I don't remember if it was before I was born or if it, when I was young. Vince Carter, mm. unbelievable dunker. I, I dude could just fly. He has so many posters. His dunk contest when he's with the Raptors when he's going, it's over. It's over. Unbelievable. Yeah, hard to argue with that. I actually did not have him on my extended list. We're gonna we're gonna pick for like I said. So I'm gonna go uh, with my first pick and then we'll snake it and I get the next two picks. So you're probably gonna notice a little bit of a theme here in our age gap and what I saw. What I would call the old days of the real dunk contest and the real three-point contest when, you know, all the stars did it. And how can you not pick MJ? Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude could fly during the games anyway, but he is the one who really truly – dunk contest was around before him, but, I mean, he made that must-watch all-star TV. I, I don't – I mean, I had a video game that was like an NBA all-star video game for your computer, um, and it was – like MJ and I don't even know who else in the dunk contest and Larry Bird and three point contest. And I played that thing all the time. I mean, talk about posters. Uh, MJ really made dunking. I think the art that it is now that there weren't good dunkers before him, but um, can't, can't go wrong with MJ. And since I get to pick next, I'm going to throw another old school guy at you. Human highlight reel, Dominique Wilkins, number 21 from the Atlanta Hawks. More of a sheer power dunker than the finesse or fly dunker. I mean, his windmills, like he pretty much, Larry Nance kind of first probably put the windmill on the map from a dunk contest standpoint, but Dominique Wilkins just absolutely punished the rim and was an underrated overall basketball player out of the University of Georgia anyway, um, playing for the Hawks. But do yourself a favor, go look for some of the human highlight reel in his past dunk contest as well. So those are my first two picks. All right, I'll go old school one here. Uh, the Doctor, Doctor J. I had him on my unbelievable, list for sure. Unbelievable dunks. I've watched all those plenty of times. Hang time, power, all the good stuff. Fancification. Mm-hmm. The up, the under, the hoop, mm-hmm. swing of the arm, unbelievable. Uh, I get another one. I'll go with a Spartan, Jason Richardson. Damn, I had him on my unbelievable. list. Unbelievable. Back to back winner. Two footed jumper. Yep. Crazy. That dude had some crazy, crazy hops. And probably, I mean, there's been a more recent, like, really good battle a a few years ago. I don't want to tip my hand on who I might pick as my next one. But, yeah, Jay Rich was on my list. He's just unbelievable for, especially like Ryan said, a two-footed jumper. I mean, you just don't see a guy that has that kind of air time and hang time. And he was kind of a little bit of a combo. He could fly like MJ, and he kind of had the – the power, but yet the the creativity of Vince Carter too. I mean, he was he was definitely a fun one to watch. Um, so for me, see that's three guys for you so far, right, Ryan? Yep. My last two, 
I got to go with a recent and another Spartan. And I know not necessarily because he, I think he's only been in one dunk contest. He didn't necessarily fare all that well, even though he was a favorite. But the, his dunks in games alone, Miles Bridges. Oh, yes. I mean, talk about somebody who can fly and so punishes the rim and catches things that are, I mean, out of orbit. So we're going to take, or I'm going to take a little bit of a step away from the dunk contest being kind of the the impetus of my thoughts, and I'm going to go with Miles for his in-game dunks. I mean, there are, for my money, there aren't too many guys in the NBA today that can put it down like he can. And then with my last pick, um, i got to go with a guy that battled, I think it was two years in a row, um, for some mighty, incredible, one of the most incredible dunk contests more recently, and that's Aaron Gordon. I mean, at his size, when he jumped over the mascot, uh, I mean, just, uh, <laughs> I mean, a guy his size, too. Like, big guys don't usually, you know, you talk about Jay Rich, he's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, MJ 6'6", six, six. Dr. J, you know, maybe 6'7", maybe 6'8". Dominique was a little bit taller. Miles Bridges is like 6'6". Six, six. I mean, usually it's the the a little bit, you know, like Ryan's size, bigger guys, but not the huge guys. And Aaron Gordon was a big dude that could absolutely hang in the air and, I mean, he's he's had some memorable dunks in the dunk contest. Yeah, I, I had um, his his running mate in mm-hmm. that in that when Zach Levine um, has won. I mean, the dude not tall. I mean, he's probably six five. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did a windmill from the free throw line. He did between the legs from the free throw line. The 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 dude. I think he's still floating. I. Yeah, the two of them. I honestly probably minus the dunk contest in the eighties probably put on. And I don't remember if it was back-to-back years or just that one year in particular. Probably the best back-and-forth should have been a tie dunk contest that I can ever remember. I mean, if if you haven't seen it, go and look for it. It was like 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. Um, you will be thoroughly entertained for 20, 25 minutes. Yes. All right, so that's our Mount Rushmore. Ryan's been cooking up some other good ones. We will uh, have some fun with this one um, throughout the rest of the course of the year. We're going to sway back a little bit to college football. Yeah, college football season's done, but good stuff is happening. A little shout-out to Michigan State. Got a couple four-star commits already for 2023. Big Texas running back, big Texas tight end. Got a nice steal grad transfer, guy that started at DB for a while at corner, 6'3", corner from Georgia. That Tuck originally recruited uh, when he was on the defensive staff down there, transferring up to Michigan State. Um, hopefully he can live up to his billing and shore up what was an awful secondary that we talked about. But we're not here to talk about recruiting. We're here because the 2022 Michigan State and actually Big Ten schedule is out. And we can talk Big Ten schedule at another time. We can kind of give a little bit of analysis. But I wanted to, to talk a little bit more specifically about Michigan State's draw for the year. And Ryan, get you know maybe some way too early predictions, best game, worst game. So run us through real quick. What does the slate look like for the season? Yeah, Michigan State comes out with uh, with the schedule back to the normal seven and five, uh, seven home, five away. Unless you're Michigan, who has eight the home Ohio games State this year and plays a bunch of cuffcakes in the uh, outer conference, but that's another topic for another day. So Michigan State starts off week one, uh, Western Michigan, who was a, had a good end of the season, tough team, but they're losing a lot of their good players uh, to either the portal or to the draft. Um, still, Western's always a, a tough out, so that's that's probably going to be a win for Michigan State, I think, um, to start the season. Then they play Akron, um, a team that's been down lately. I don't know if we ever played them. Zips, uh, maybe, maybe in a the, while ago. 
Yeah, not maybe in the early two thousands. Not that I not that I can recall. I mean, we've played certainly Eastern, Western, Central out of the MAC. We have played Toledo, Toledo Kent State. I want to say Kent maybe State we played, played Bowling Green. Miami, Ohio, we've played, I I don't know if we've played Akron or not. I'd have to go back in the annals and look. Yeah, I think that'd probably be a win. Then Michigan State goes out to to Seattle, plays the the Huskies, Washington, new head coach, um, and Kalen DeBoer. Um, you know, I think that would that's going to be a, a good early challenge for Michigan State, especially going out west. Um, Haven't you know, won out west since the Rose Bowl and, and in a regular season game. I don't think we've won out west in a long time. No, not since then, no. I, I but Washington, if they're anywhere. They're not going to be great. Like Michael Penix is probably going to be their quarterback. Uh, oh, well, he's been a Spartan killer. Yeah, well. He'll if probably, he stays he'll, healthy. He'll be hurt. Yeah. He'll be hurt. <laughs> uh, I'll say that's a win, so that's 3-0. Then Michigan State comes back home, plays the Golden Gophers. Tanner Morgan's coming back for a sixth year. Because he hasn't been there long enough, so he'll be there. And they're running and back. Ibrahim's, back yeah. Abraham, whatever his name is, Ibrahim, is coming yeah. back. Um, that could be a tough game. I think probably a win, um, you know, but I, that's just me. Roll the damn boat. Uh, and then back on the road, uh, going to Maryland, who, you know, they, they had a lot of guys transfer. Um, you know, uh, Talia's back. They've got some decent weapons. Won I, their bowl game. Yeah, won the bowl game. I think that'd probably be a win. Um, then, then it gets tough. October, I mean, that, that's the first of October is when at, at Maryland. Then the next three is really where it gets tough. Um, Ohio State comes to town. We all know what happened in Columbus two months ago. Um, you know, I think Ohio State's going to be really, really, really good again. Um, I probably would say that's a loss. It would be a closer this, game than but from last year, but I would agree that's probably a loss. Uh, then Wisconsin comes to town. That's big to have that crossover at home. Uh, Michigan State hasn't beaten Wisconsin in a while. I feel like I think it's been since 2012 because we that's probably the yeah 2012 we've been playing 2013 14 15 lost in 16 at home and then we played them at Wisconsin a few years ago and they smoked us so yeah I mean I, I think that that could be a, a really good matchup there I think Michigan State is probably better top to bottom but Wisconsin then you never know you're gonna I mean you know what you're gonna get with them they're always tough um, no matter what the season so. could pivot on that game, right, I think, a, you know, I mean, it's, it's a game that, especially coming out of that Ohio State game, that's a, that's a game that sets the tone, because I think it's a bye, and then it's Michigan, right, after that, which, bye Michigan, uh, yep, on the, on the road, because, the you know, they have to have had three of the last four at home, where they can't beat us anyway, um, but I, I really think if, if Michigan State bounces back and beats Wisconsin, that they go down to AA, which you know what it stands for, not Ann Arbor, um, and get that win, in that game. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Three too. in a row, baby. I can't complain about that. Then Michigan State goes to Champaign to play Illinois, a team that surprised some last year, five and seven. Um, you know, got better as the season went on, punched above their weight with Brett Bielema. He is the last time we played them, and, and a train wreck of a comeback. They yeah. come back. I think Michigan State would beat them, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Rutgers at home, probably a dub. Um, and then Indiana at home to, to finish it. That's late for an Indiana game. Yeah, usually they're October. It yeah, like. uh, to senior day for, for Jaden Reed and, and company there. Um, yeah, probably, and then probably, at probably Penn State, there. right? And at Penn State to finish the season. I think 10-2 and two, um, is, is a very good good benchmark there for Michigan State. I think, you know, 9-3, and 10-2 and two is, is really attainable um, with that schedule. You know, you never know. Maybe beat, beat teams that you shouldn't. Beat team, lose teams you should you know you never know but I, I think there's a lot of potential there for Michigan State I think their their floor is a lot higher um, than it was coming into this mm-hmm. year I'd say floor is probably eight and four 
Yeah, I'm won't, looking at it right now. Won't sneak up on anybody this year. People will be ready. You know, I think there's definitely some should win a lot of should win games in there. Um, you know, so I think you know to me right now, not knowing who gets hurt, who transfers, who else transfers in, who else transfers out, all that good stuff. How do the recruits play out? Lots of time between now and in August for us to talk about football. But I think there's a, an excellent chance that. Um, you know, Michigan State does and is able to repeat, maybe not win the Big Ten, but definitely compete and, and repeat the, the greatness that they had this year. So look forward, maybe the next week or two, we'll break down kind of the some, not every team schedule in the Big Ten, but maybe we'll look at some of the bigger things there, some of the, the marquee matchups. Um, I think the Big Ten did do, they had to adjust some schedules to reacquaint for some, some of the COVID stuff. But then, um, you know, there's an Ireland game in there. It'd be fun to kind of look. I think they also looked because they had three or four huge games that that last weekend in October last year. I think that they've mixed them up a little bit more. Um, So it will be an interesting thing to take a look at. All right, spot number five. We love to talk about it. We've been trying to figure out, all right, what can we we talk about in spot five? You know, we got college basketball going on. We got the NFL going on. Um, But, hey, golf season, the season, the FedEx Cup season actually started back what in October or so, Ryan. I mean, yep. they, they take a few weeks off, and after the Ryder Cup, they get right back to it. But you know, from from a calendar perspective, it just started. The Hawaii swing is over. The Century Tournament of Champions, which is all the winners from last year, that was a great tournament. Uh, Ryan picked the winner in that one. Um, this last week at the Sony was pretty freaking phenomenal. If you don't watch a lot of golf, you really don't necessarily care about this. But guys who watch golf, the three wood by Hideki Matsuyama. So good. On the playoff hole, from 277, I think, out to 2 feet 8 inches, just cooked it. Unbelievable shot. One of the best, probably, fairway woods I can recall seeing, short of maybe something big like that in a major. Um, and here's the thing. It's Ryan's pick. He almost had back-to-back picks. His guy to win it last week, Russell Henley, was in a really good spot he shot a 29 on the front and he didn't really necessarily do anything wrong down the stretch minus he barred 18 and Hideki birdied it to put it into, into um, a playoff which there were a lot of play, playoffs last year but I mean hats off to Hideki he just went crazy um, he had the, the CEO great. and the other main dude from the from Sony like following him all over the course I think he had a little bit of you know halfway to Japan love going going on in that tournament too but um a fun one to watch they come back to the mainland now pretty much a california swing here for a little bit minus the waste management open and then they hit the florida um later february but um one thing we want to do here so we kind of talked a little bit about last week and i put ryan on the spot and he wasn't ready for it we're gonna kind of have a new ongoing golf contest so if you want to jump in on this feel free you know how hit us hit ryan up on on our twitter um we're gonna pick and bet on two guys uh, you know just a buck um i kind of play the guy who i really think i think is gonna win it and then a little bit more of a long shot type of thing these are winner bets so you know obviously it's a lot harder to pick but the contest is really going to be two things is combined place finish for your two guys that you pick 
and then so you know if my guys finish combined 36th and ryan's guys finish a combined 38th that's a win for me for the week and then we're going to also keep track of who wins the most zaps um throughout the course of the year and the first two weeks don't count otherwise ryan would have at least one and had henley held on two winners so anyway so we're going to do that um and then we'll talk a little bit more. I got a couple other golf questions here first. So let's get that out of the way first, Ryan. So it doesn't matter if we pick the same. We did not talk about this beforehand. We talked after the fact. We both already went out to our respective places and made those um, wagers. But Corey Connors at plus 2,400. I had him last week as one of my uh, guys in my foursome. So I've got uh, Connors as one of my guys and my second guy who I also bet on last week and who Kramer. finished in the top 20 is Kramer Hickok who was in that epic eight hole um, playoff last year at the Hartford both those, both those guys played well it's hard to kind of back it up and play well in back to back weeks but um, to have a gut feel that probably more so Connors has a chance to win here he's just such a good ball striker and, and that's what it takes so those are my two guys yeah I took Corey Connors as well um, you know, he's playing well. He, the, one of the better ball strikers on tour, um, and he's putting well. Um, had a good showing last week. Um, he's my favorite, per se, and my long shot. A guy I actually um, had, had a good conversation with when I was working um, Corn Ferry Tour event in Portland, Maine, uh, Hayden Buckley um, from Mississippi, I believe. Um, really nice guy. He's he's uh, playing well right now, and uh, he's he's a bit of a long shot in this tournament. His name came up in an article I was reading, so I was like, oh, might as well pull the trigger on him. Um, so Hayden, my guy. What are his odds? You know, yeah, I it's don't. Be long, plus, long. I think I mean, if I it was one dollar to win a hundred, so plus ten thousand. Plus ten thousand. Yeah, it's not too outlandish because Hickok was plus twelve thousand. So, all right. So I got to ask you, Ryan. I mean, we talked just a little bit about it, but. I mean, what comes to mind if not that shot as one of the most clutch shots like that ever to you know to to stake a tournament to win a tournament basically? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the more clutch shots I've seen, especially from with a three wood. I mean, that's speed has got a couple out of bunkers, but I mean, this is like from two hundred seventy-seven yeah, I mean, yeah, yards. Yeah, from the distance, I don't think I've ever seen anything like I that. I can't even hit a driver two seventy-seven without a good tailwind and a downhill no, bounce. I can't even hit a driver that far. I mean, yeah, that's that's nuts. And so I got to ask too, because some people are probably like, "You guys are nuts. You're watching golf." It's first oh, of all, it's Hawaii. It. So, but I I got to ask you, what is you know when we sit down and on a Saturday or Sunday we put it on? What's your favorite part about watching golf? I, my favorite part is just just seeing the guys just tear up these courses. I mean, you look at them and you're like, I couldn't do that. I mean, I just wish I could play like that one time. And these guys constantly can do it. And just the beauty of these golf courses, um, you know, the ones in Hawaii, seeing Kapalua and then uh, Wailai. And then this weekend they're playing in, in La Quinta, California. Beautiful in the mountains. PGA West Unbelievable. courses, yeah, stadium courses. And then next week, I mean, like go to Torrey again. And then to Pebble, then to TPC Scottsdale, and then to Riviera, Riviera, world famous, then to PGA National, and then Bay Hill, and then um, so on and so forth. I mean, just seeing these courses is just unbelievable. Wishing I could just one time play them. Um, yeah, I, seeing these guys be great for me. Yeah, it's it's like golf stokes the imagination. So it's like first, kind of like closing your eyes and you're picturing yourself playing it. Because whether we would play it that well or not. Heritage, you know, the, where they play the Heritage um, at Harbortown was a great example. Not all these courses, but a fair amount of these courses, you know, they might break the bank, but you can get on and go play, right? Like, 
Kapalua, I've played there before. You know, Wiley, you could you could play. You know, you can you can play Tories in Muni. You know, Pebble's super expensive, but you can play it. Like you you can play these courses. So for me, it's about the imagination. It's imagining myself being able to play there. And the imagination that the guys put into their shots. What do they see? What are they looking at? And I'm not talking about Bryson and his mad scientist stuff. I'm just talking about like a guy like Phil with his short game and the way that he approaches that or the way guys look at greens and the way they see things and the way the holes they see in trees and they go through the smallest spots. Like for me, it just kind of stokes the imagination. You know, it's it's a game that you have natural talent at, but really anybody who's willing to put the time and the effort and the resources into, you know, if you did that all the time, like these guys do, you could probably make a pretty good living out of it. And out of it. And it's kind of just fun to imagine that. So that's how it would be for me. All right, Ryan, let's end as we always do with a sprint. We'll mishmash of different questions here for the sprint this week. Uh, first free throw line. Will tiger play a major this year? I'm saying he's going to play in Augusta. I, I think he is. I really do. Different question is if he competes or not, but that's for another day. Uh, half court. You need a quarterback to win a Super Bowl from this year's remaining teams in the playoffs. Who Tom Brady. Tom Brady, it's baby. It's hard to pick against Tom. All right, I'm going to really switch it up on you. Would you rather have Thomas Kithier or Joey Hauser playing the four for Michigan State this year? Crickets. I don't know. Oh. Kids having a pretty good season, I think, with Valpo. Yeah, but it's Valpo. Valpo I mean, Kidier was just, he wasn't bad. He just was unathletic. I mean, yeah. he, he well, wasn't. So was Joe. But, Joe, like, Joe was just like, Kidier was at least, like, in position. He just wasn't, if he was, like, two inches taller, he would have been Matt Costello. Right. Yeah, right, right. I'd he, say it, right. And he was a good defender. Like, right. I, I can live with you being, well, my friends would disagree because they know how I blasted Kith. I could live with a little bit of, suspect offense if you play great D but like watching you know lunch league Kyle was it Kyle Young no whatever Young the Ryan Young Ryan Young for Gumpasaurus Rex for Northwestern just absolutely dominate Joey in the post holy cow yeah there's your answer there and full court baseline gotta go you know we always go entertainment here in this one favorite TV show as a kid um hmm I'll say two. I'll say one throwback. There's just Scooby Doo, definitely, and then favorite like from when I was growing up yeah. from that era, definitely Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, Disney Channel. Nice, amazing show. Nice. Well, Tiger play a major this year. I'd like to say that he could play by Augusta, but I don't know if he, his knee, his leg can handle those hills. I think he comes back for a run at um, either the U.S. Open or the British, especially because it's at St Andrews. I'm going to say the British. Or, quote, sorry, the Open at St. Andrews. And he might surprise you by then. He may be able to compete just because it's a pretty flat course, and, you know, we've seen what he's done to that course in the past. Uh, so number two for me, I need a quarterback to win the Super Bowl. I mean, Tom's kind of the, the no-brainer. Um, obviously, he's got them all. But let's cast him to the side. If I had to pick a guy to lead me, um, honestly, the rest of the way, you might be surprised a little bit, but after watching him play this year, and I just like the way he's got like that moxie to him, I'm going to go with Josh Allen. Um, rather Kith or Hauser, Ryan's, I mean, we had a little debate there already. I mean, I got to go with, I'm going to get my scoring from somewhere else, and hey, let's face it, Joey's not exactly hitting threes at a lightning pace or making shots at a lightning pace. He does rebound the ball well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but he does not play a lick of defense. Kith could rebound it, and he could play defense. Couldn't shoot for you know what, but I got to go with Kith. Yeah, boys, that's right. You heard it. I'll trade Hauser for Kith. One hated guy for another. Favorite TV show as a kid, man. There's so many great ones that came to mind for me. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that I could go. But I think when push comes to shove, because a little bit of it was, you know, it had the bootleggers, it had Daisy Duke, it had, like, you know, car chases and stuff. Uh, I got to go Duke's a hazard. All right, Ryan, give us a little bit of a social media shout-out and, and your version of the close. Uh, you know, the the drill here, uh, the final score, 35. Um, appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, keep giving us topics you want to hear. Um, you know, third, the third and, I mean, a, a decent amount of the spot's kind of up for grabs now with it just being basketball season then some golf in there and then keep doing some Mount Rushmore. So what, if you want to hear some certain Mount Rushmores, let us know. And we are, by the way, trying to get uh, a guest that we've had in the past. My cousin Dave Kerr, Ryan, uncovered a great tweet from uh, MS. I don't know if he's still MSU he's trustee not or not, but Brian Musalam, who was a teammate of Dave's, um, about how he and Dave were, what, Tigers? Tigers. Uh, bodyguards or something? No, Hooties. A hootie and the Blowfish. Bears bodyguard Rutgers. and Tiger was there. Uh, we're going to try to get Dave on to tell some of these untold stories. I don't know if he'll do it or not, but... Well, shout out to cousin Dave, just in case he or his brother Brian are listening. Um, want to give a special thanks to our our longtime sponsor, Team Anders Realtors. Um, if you have realty needs here in West Michigan, look them up, teamanders.com. And if you have any other um, thoughts or you want to be a sponsor on the show, you want a little bit of a of a trade deal or something like that, reach out to Ryan. He is our business manager. All right, meantime, because I kept it a little political this podcast. As Uncle Jesse once said, in the movie version of Dukes of Hazard, you know what happens when a politician takes Viagra? He gets taller.